you start right now. Um, so just to just to add a point to that, if you use this, it might be better. <coughs> you know what I'm saying? Should I should I get right to it? Mm-hmm. We've got a very special guest today, mm-hmm. um, very close to both of us, a Mr. Stephen McClintock. Hello, 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 Mr. Steve McClintock. Um, Stephen. Now, so we've had th- we had three guests so far. Stephen, you're number four. It's kind of special. Four? I'm stoked. Well, yeah, I am so stoked to be here. Before, before, like, just like stoked, incredibly excited, and uh, super grateful. So, thank you for thanks, having dude. Me. Yeah, we're I, uh, yeah. we're excited and super grateful to have I, you. I'm here. glad you're here too. In fact, I kind of find that um, the format that we have here where we speak with so far it's been artists we're open to whoever that's mm-hmm. we're not confined to to a certain um genre like that but we're, we're mostly we're artists we hang out with artists artists are eager to talk about their outlets on a, on, on a forum like this so it's it really works out people yeah. to be stoked to yeah. come on yeah it's pretty great um yeah i mean start off with something simple steven where are you from so, I mean, I would say that I'm from Massachusetts. Um, right. I grew up abroad. I grew up in Saudi Arabia. Um, I spent a lot of... No, hold on a second. You skimmed over that. Yeah, I'm a Massachusetts guy of Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Uh, now, how often, and I'll say from my own personal experience, not often, that you hear someone say, oh, I'm from Massachusetts, but I grew up in Saudi Arabia? Like seven times out of ten. Seven times out of ten you hear that? Mm-hmm. Okay. No. But how did that, how did that happen? I mean, it was just... Uh, how did it happen? Uh, I think my father just, you know, worked in New York for a little bit and then decided that the international community was something that he felt more uh, excited about, something that he was more felt like more related to. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, his his father was in the Navy. And so they grew up internationally as well. Mm. And so like that wasn't a foreign idea for him. That was something like, oh, I can go work abroad and I can go be over there and, and it would be an army breath as it were yeah. traveling yeah and why yeah. saudi arabia why did he pick saudi arabia well he worked in france for a while okay. and then i think an opportunity to work in saudi arabia came up and i'm gotcha. sure it was a great job and, mm-hmm. and what was the job what does he do he was in finance he was finance, in finance yeah. i love that that finance category because you never know what that means you're like oh hey, i'm in finance i mean nah, I honest <laughs> honestly to this day like i have i have no idea yeah like my brother's in finance i don't that's all I'm saying. It's it's one of Financial those terms. Analyst. I know that. See, when I was a kid, um, someone offered me an opportunity to learn to be a financial analyst to some degree, and I took the job, going, "Oh, I'll I'll learn, you know, about finance, and I'll I'll be better with money and all this different stuff." And uh, I did actually get an IRA at that young age, and that was a positive thing I got from it. Mm, nice. But it was a ruse, is where I'm going with this, to sell insurance. Hmm. I feel like you've used the word finance. There's some ruse going on. Yeah, but IRAs are great. Aside from that, like the yeah. fact that you got learned about an IRA and you got one, that's benefit right there from all of that. Yeah, and Definitely. just in case yeah. in yeah. case someone doesn't know, an IRA, an independent retirement account, putting money away early and l- small amounts on a regular basis to yeah, plan for your but not a, retirement as, future. But aside from that, if you get a Roth IRA, you don't pay taxes on it. Oh, the, so the, the infamous wow. Roth. When you, you, wow. you can't take any of the money out until you're – uh, sixty-three. Well, you 67? can, but then you, you're penalized. Yeah, yeah, but but it, but you do it with the idea that you're not gonna right. I mean, and then when you take it out, you don't pay any taxes. What? No taxes. So don't get me started on the illegal income. You heard tax. it here first. No, but, <laughs> but I mean that's Roth pretty. IRA. Yeah, that's pretty. I mean that's pretty. It's a good uh, benefit, right? especially living in California. So without getting any more detail, your yeah. father's in finance. He gets this great opportunity that works for his international experience growing up in the military uh, world. Yeah. He takes his job in Saudi Arabia. You're how old? Three. Whoa! I didn't expect that. I thought it was going to be like seven. Three. So three I, was there, I was there in Riyadh for six years, from three to nine. Oh, wow. And, uh, and Riyadh was Riyadh's the center, the capital of Saudi Arabia, so in the center of Saudi Arabia. Hmm. Uh, the name – so – when you're an expat and you're in Saudi Arabia, you're not allowed to own property. So oftentimes you're living in like in a in a compound, basically. Right, like a community or like a it, yeah, exactly. Of all expats or yep. Okay. And there's usually a well, there is a wall around it. Whoa. So you 
are insulated. They box you in. Exactly. That's kind of yeah. freaky. To some, I mean, to some degree, but then at some point, it's also like for you're safe in here. For your protection. Here. Right, right, right. But that's <laughs> yeah. got to be such an yeah, interesting... Definitely, definitely. That's got to be a wild perspective for, for, for you because, I mean, age three to nine, those are those years where you're kind of like scared of stuff you don't the scared of the unknown you're learning and you're and all you knew at that point was like oh we live in here or like we stay in here and this is the wall that keeps us from yeah it's kind of like freaky but a little different it's just like if it's okay yeah yeah definitely it it is it was freaky but when that's all you know and you grow up there you're you're like yo i'm this is my um, life. Yeah, I'm going outside to the playground, and, right. and I'm going as hard as I can in this. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, as hard as I said, can. Like we said before. I'm going to go so hard <laughs> on this swing set. Perspective is the only reality. Yeah, it's true. And then, so at nine years old, you guys you guys took off? We moved to Kuwait. What? Oh, well, yeah. Okay. So What it, year was this? Uh, I don't know. L- late 90s? 96? Okay, so it was after the Gulf War. After the Gulf War. But um, there was, and so in our apartment in Kuwait, um, well, just in, just in terms of like the, the country of Saudi Arabia versus Kuwait, Kuwait is a much more liberal country. So Saudi Arabia. That makes sense. That's true. Women couldn't drive. We were on a compound. In Saudi Arabia. Yep. I yeah, stepped yeah. on it before. I apologize. Oh, no, no. Uh, no worries. So, yes, yeah, so Kuwait is much more liberal. In Saudi, you were. On a compound, women couldn't drive. In Saudi, like, my mom could drive. Like, we were in an apartment versus... In Kuwait. In Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. In Kuwait. I kept... Yeah, I keep saying that. Yeah, it's cool. In Kuwait, apartment, my mom could drive. You're living in the country. Right. It feels like a normal society by comparison to this somewhat exactly. jail-like compound. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's I an mean, incredibly... I don't know. Like, it didn't feel like jail, though. That's the thing. Like... Eh. No, not jail. I don't want to say that because there's nuanced differences. But, I mean, there are people who, who describe today's society in America as a prison, if you will. So there's different degrees of, of yes and no. Like, yeah. just because it's not a prison, there are prison-like attributes you, that can't that can't be denied. Maybe it was like a Stockholm Syndrome where I just fell in love with my Dude, kidnapper. What and, a, and that kidnapper was Saudi Arabia. We adjust. Humans adjust. We did survive. You, that is you, not – that's just the way it goes. That makes total sense that you would do that. I mean, yeah, it was it was awesome, and and so Kuwait was 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 a little bit more open and and a lot more fun. But there was a compound right next to our apartment in Kuwait that used to be an old military compound that after the war everyone left. Huh. So, I mean, I would go like explore that compound Whoa. and like just like hang out for an. And after- how old were you at that time? Eleven. Okay, so now you're cognizant young 12, yeah. human being. Um, you're exploring an abandoned um, compound. That's that, that's that good age, that double digit. Dude, eleven know. is when you start like going out in the woods and throwing pine cones and building forts and like. Yeah, ten you're like all right, double. And you were here. in a Saudi <laughs> com- abandoned army compound after the yeah. end of a war. That's insane. Just playing with rocks, making making stories. Yeah. What are some right now? I, mean, what I are remember, s- like, I got mad at my parents one time. I ran away from home, and <laughs> for them, they're like, "Get him! He's in the Persian <laughs> Gulf." Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just a scary. Uh, yeah. So you run to the abandoned. So compound. I run to the abandoned compound, and like I'm there for an hour and a half. And I, I just and I I forget like I brought a uh, something. I forget if I brought a sleeping bag or a couple blankets, and I like climb in because it's not like this. There's not, like, a front door that's, like, open, come explore. Like, it is a locked compound, even though it's abandoned. And I'm in one of the rooms. I'm there for, like, an hour and a half, and I just end up playing Snake on my phone. And, like, after that hour, I'm like, this is is this what I'm going to do? Like, that's I'm so gonna run sad. Away. Steven, you're and, in a and, very and, small and, group of people, of, of Americans who've had that as their playground at that age for that moment in their relationship with their parents and all that. Like, that's a very unique position that you have. I mean, I, I like, I'm super grateful for it. Like, I, I know that it's, it's something really special and something really to, that I, that I treasure. And like, and I couldn't, like, I, yeah, like, honestly, like it was, it was rad. It was yeah. such a great experience to, if I to be around a, such a different culture and be, be an American. So and learn from that culture too. And, and, and the, what you brought back to America, cause then you moved to America when you were. So I, you know, during the summer, I'd go, I'd go up to Nantucket, and I'd be up there. And even and when you were living in Kuwait and Saudi Arabia, yeah, yeah, damn, so, some so, long flights. 
Yeah, eight hours to London, <laughs> eight hours to Boston. Yeah, we're going away on vacation. You're like, Coop's no. like, how can this story make me feel uncomfortable? <laughs> that would be inconvenient. Yeah, that's, that's uh, and coach. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. Uh, but, <laughs> I completely understand. Yeah, but to bring that, like, especially that's even better going to America in the summers because then you're going there with that perspective of different culture and life and yeah. something bigger than, you know, Game Boy and shit going on in American now, teenagers. I'm, I'm curious. At that age, you're going to a, a, a events and parties and locations and traveling things with your parents, and you're meeting other little kids your age. Mm-hmm. I remember being that age and going to places and thinking, oh, I wonder if the girl's going to be cute. I know she's a year older than me. Like, all these little things that are just immediate and mostly about girls. When you met girls at that age, did you tell them, oh, I live most of my time in Saudi Arabia and and if you told them that how did that go over to a, a little girl at that age at like uh, I mean at 11 and 12 like <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I was thinking he was hunting for girls I, I, don't I, I was at really? 11 oh my 11? god oh dude I don't Absolutely. think it carried as much weight as like as 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 you would imagine like only because, like, I didn't understand it. To me, it was just like, yo, yeah, I live over here. I'm here now. Like, we're going to the beach and bringing the football. And, and The world was your oyster. It was just exactly, like, yeah, yeah I live where I live, whatever. It's in that country. I remember, like, but it's like playing games like Duck, Duck, Goose and thinking, like, I want this girl to be my girlfriend. I don't. And, like, being in, like six years old. Yeah. I was always like, yeah, <laughs> always had wanted a girlfriend, always. I think Always. this is just revealing the priority differences. In, yeah, no, in I mine was a, and the average eleven-year-old. It's no, I, I know. Like, no, I said even at getting, six. Like, I was a little, a little Casanova when I, I was a I know what you mean. You crazy. start getting those like, oh, like I, I like her, like some, yeah. but, but I feel like, I don't know. For me, at that age, it was more about like adventures versus like. I remember girls. pretending to kiss a girl in my mind, like imagining it at like seven years old. Yeah, you know, I re- I remember my, the first girl I kissed was was in Kuwait, at the baseball fields in the, uh, the batting practice, ball machine. So like, wow. you have the batting practice and there's the machine that like spits yeah, the yeah, ball yeah. out. The ca- the batting cage. <laughs> yeah, batting cage. Those that's I stole my first kiss then. Did it? Nice. Well, it was uh, it was like. Just like spin the bottle with me and two girls. I picture you like you're in, like how do I you picture, lose this game? <laughs> I picture I picture you like in the cage, like practicing. You're like this crazy athletic young kid. You're like profusely sweating, just like knocking balls out, one hand hitting the top armed, of the fence. You boom. know, you just keep hearing ching, ching, ching. You're hitting all of them, and then the girl comes talks to you, and then you have like a break. You have the kiss. And then a ball shoots out, and you just catch it. And you're like, it's okay, I got it. That's, yeah. in my head, yeah. that's, that's... I was thinking, same weird? scene. No, no, I was thinking weird? the same scene. I thought he was going to move her out of the way with one arm while still kissing her, away from the ball. Oh, that's actually kind of... Yeah. Good rewrite. Eh, they both work. That was gangster. You shoot them both, which was, you, you put the one uh-huh. in that makes the most sense. I like that. Um, okay. Batting cages in Kuwait. Those, yeah, that was like the spot. Like, listen. That was in Kuwait, too? Yeah, that was batting cool. cages Thanks. in Kuwait. Could that be the title of, of like, ep- this episode, low key. What, uh, what, is it, what is it? Batting cages in Kuwait. But oh, batting cages in Kuwait. So yeah, you're a teenager. When did you move back to the East Coast or to Massachusetts? I mean, I moved back after. So I went to boarding school in Rhode Island. Oh wow! So where our teeniest? Where in Rhode state? Island? Portsmouth Abbey. Okay. Yeah, you grew up in Rhode Island. No, I grew up in Connecticut. Oh, What's Connecticut. the square but mile in Rhode Island? Uh, small. Like this room? No. It's, it's, it, whenever it's you look small. at the United States, it really j- is profoundly small. I just, I love it. Yeah, I mean, Rhode Island is the smallest state, no? Yeah, it's yeah. teeny. It's, it's great. That's, that's why I keep talking about it. Um, I grew up in Connecticut, but I moved to, or I, I would go to Block Island, Rhode Island, every summer since I was like, like four to like 21. Yeah. And... Um, and my grandparents lived in, uh, Warwick and my brother went to Roger Williams. So I, cool, I spent cool. a lot and we surfed in Rhode Island growing up when I was in like, when I was super young, nice, you know, nice. we would just drive there every, every other day. Um, but yeah, right. so yeah, I mean, so boarding school in Rhode Island, that's where you went to like high school and did all that. Yep. Yep. So 10th. Uh, so after Kuwait, it's like 15 years old. Yeah. 
Yeah, 15. I was, no, 16, 17, and 18. Okay, now we're, we're thinking we're about it. Now you wait, Jeff. All right. You must have been coming back, and they're like, who's that? And someone's like, that's Steven. Like, he lived in Kuwait and Saudi Arabia. And people are like, what? That's a good conversation, sir. Just saying. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, that, that yeah, that international community is is great and Mm -hmm. it carried a lot of weight but that being said like you're in boarding school you're going to class you're going to sports and you know board it's a catholic boarding school where there's monks on the Christ, Stephen, and you have church in class wednesday and you have church wednesday and sunday morning you are just you were raised in a lot of walls like restrictions and prison like fucking things that's insane i mean yeah whatever that's a that's a viewpoint i'm just saying outlook no are you super religious I mean, oh man, Re- it's such a loaded yeah, word. Dude, what, but yeah, like, what do you mean by okay? That? Like, here, how about this? Do you go to Do you go to church regularly? No. Okay. And but y- do I have a like? Do I have a, a a rosemary bead in my house? Yeah, I have. That. Sure. Yeah. What is like? You're mean? not wearing what does that it around your you? hand every day and walking up to people and be like, "Have you heard the word of God?" Like, yeah. But hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. What does having those beads? <laughs> hold on a second. Hold on a second. What does having those beads mean to you? I think it's just a reminder to to come back to a place where you're trying to communicate and and come from a place of of like like goodness, you know, like yeah. handling situations honestly and fairly, like with responsibility and accountability and Yeah, cuz I always felt like church was like a great place to be reflective. Not necessarily believe the word of God, but like be reflective and. But what is the word of God? Like it's such a broad statement, because there's yeah. different religions that yeah, all practice I different mean, things. We, I mean, I know what you mean. We don't have to dive into like. Well, we kind of have to. If we're going to talk about it, I'm not going to not dive into it. I mean, that's not really how I operate. <laughs> well, well, okay. So what do you? What's the word of God? I mean, I don't know what the word of God. Exactly. Is. There's no specific. The there is but a we're specific gonna de- answer. But we're going to define these things as we go along because I can't keep having religious conversations without defining what terms mean because then we're going to do fucking spin around in circles. I know, I know, but I'm and telling, disagree. And but we don't I'm, get anywhere. Yeah, but listen, I'm telling you that the word of God is different for every person. So there's no like, which is why I'm asking for a definition to find out what Stephen's definition is so we can go from there. It's a really <laughs> simple fucking equation. So what is my definition of the word of God? For you, yeah. Uh, it would. Okay, so the word of God for me, if I believe, if. Hmm. That that's a tough question. It is a tough I question. Don't, I don't. It would. It would just. It would just be a reminder, to say to yourself, come back to a place, where one. You're taking actions to handle things fairly appropriately honestly without blaming others without blaming yourself and giving yourself and the and your community time and the space to 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 move forward to to treat each other well and be a decent, honest, caring person. Exactly. exactly. Right? Yeah. And, and yeah. So do you think that people who don't believe in God and don't believe in religion can have that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's all I wanted to say. Yeah. That A person who says no to that is, to we're me, having a, a psychopath. Yeah, dude, we're having like, a conversation. Like, I appreciate like, you. A psychopath. Because, because, like, every, like, we're, and we're living in such a time now, too, where it's like, believe what you want to believe and... What I like, I hate, I hate the idea of putting like labels on so much when it comes to. I don't yeah, know, like I am an anti theist. Totally, like, if I'm going to be an anti theist and I truly believe in that, I have to take the moments and conversations and say, hey, here's what I think, but I want to make sure you think it too. I'm not going to tell you what it is because I might be wrong too. Right. No I want. No I want. No one's right. That's the thing I'm. Getting I want to have that conversation. I want it to be explained in that conversation instead of saying this is what I believe. This is what I. Oh, this is what I think. Because that doesn't fucking get anywhere. Do you, do I want to have him answer questions that mean something to me from my perspective. And now I know more about Stephen and his belief in whatever yeah, you're religion coming, is. You're coming at me like I didn't want you to ask him that. <laughs> I didn't well, get, it doesn't. I don't think you did, but I just felt. Well, like, no, do you believe I in said, God? Do you believe no, in God? No, that's not. No, hold on, hold on. That's bullshit. I did not say that. I didn't want you to answer that or ask that. I was saying that that's a hard question because it's so different for every single person. I thought you were asking, like, in a Catholic school, in a church, 
what is the word of God? Because they don't say what it is either. It's like such a, a thing that's not, not even discussed. That's not true. There are lots of churches and priests who say the word of God is this. Uh, every day, they're doing it right now. Well, they say a different thing every single day. But those guys are charlatans, which is my point, and they just say what they think. They think confidence comes over well with people who worship, and it does. They get up there, they say, I know the answer, and everyone goes, oh my God, and they keep their fucking parishioner. I never went to that church. There's, well, there, like, okay, it's there's, a, it's there a character. My like, point yeah, yeah, yeah. is... There is something about like a priest getting up there and communicating from his perspective which oftentimes comes from the bible but he's communicating with emotion and passion that like resonates with people and oftentimes that emotion and that intention he's communicating with is to instill the ability for people to better themselves in their community and and from that aspect like whatever book you want to derive right that word of god is from like that that's a that is something that church can provide now or or a priest in a in in a church can provide but that also comes with a lot of power like yeah you know if there's someone up there who is claiming that he knows the answer and there's claiming that this is the only way that then it becomes you know it's a lot of power yeah, yeah. I think uh, it's it's pretty clear that we're we're not looking at the situation the same way. I, I'm not I'm not trying to debate. I just wanted to hear because people throw out things like God and and belief and religion, and they never fucking take the time to explain what that means to them. Right, so you right, have right, all right. these assumptions that go into your belief. You judge this person based on a word. They haven't even told you what they really believe yet. Right. So when I have these conversations, I really want to nail down what the fuck we're talking about before we proceed, because then we're just it's going to be pointless and it's going to be upsetting instead of progressive and, and educational for all of us. Yeah, I, I did not want you to do. That. I wasn't accusing you. I'm just being <laughs> emphatic. He's very. You're very passionate. Well, I was also trying to make a point, and I just wanted to get it out before like we got sidetracked, and I was just like, no, let me get this answer first. Uh, My thing is, is like, what if God is a mute? What do you mean? Would he sign his word? I think in I I think think in some ways he does play an instrument. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I want to. I don't want to ignore the fact that Stephen asked me a very Point, poignant question just to finish this subject off yeah, and he asked yeah. me what I thought my belief in God was right you asked me that yeah, never, do you never believe in God? I don't know um, I definitely lean on the no but I base that on what the normal definition of God is which is like a, all being, a single all being ruler that just fucking does what he or she f- wants and I, I just think that's oversimplified but I don't want to presume so much because m- one of my arguments is if you tell me you think you know the answer, I know you're full of shit because none of us fucking know the answer. Yeah, exactly. So I never want to say it doesn't exist or it does. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm leaning toward no okay, based well, on my physical life and my experiences. But of course, when you die, maybe you get the answer. And it turns out every molecule is God and we're all part of it and no one's better. Maybe that's the answer. So I wouldn't want to be wrong and be like, yeah, that doesn't exist because it might. Yeah. I, yeah. That's my thing, too, is like nobody knows. Nobody fucking knows. for death. Ooh. And if you get like a priest the, in a, in any church, I do believe who's, in like believing in something more than this, than life here. You can't help That's but my yeah. belief because it's like, why the fuck wouldn't there be? But we in find more every of day. Like how minuscule we are in comparison to the universe and everything. Oh it's god, like, fucking planet speck of dirt. I don't know. It's just such a miraculous thing that like I feel like. There has to, there maybe is something more. Maybe there's not. Maybe there is. Who knows? I don't. But that's I think the beauty of life, isn't it? Yeah. Talking about the it unknown, is as close we can get. Like that's yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's why, like, I don't understand why people. I don't. I don't get when people will spend their whole life, like, preaching about religion or or like quote unquote the word of God or out there on the sidewalk with a Bible doing. Because then I feel like maybe they feel like that that is their life path like that's what they need to do that they need to go out there and do that for the people but i feel like you're not you're you're taking away from your self experiencing life and seeing things out there you think you're giving this gift to people but really you're not giving a gift to yourself and i don't know i just totally i don't get it totally but to yeah. wax poetic about existence is part of the fun. You know what I mean? To just right. go off on, I don't know what it means, but it might mean this, and I love this, and this little nuance of existence really makes me happy. Right. It's fun, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I I think being an actor, or that was, like, growing up in such a religious 
dominant community, both in Saudi Arabia as well as in boarding school and in family. Like my dad was one of nine kids and like it was just a religious family. The, the idea of self and heaven and hell and, you know, guilt and self-reflection kind of part played a part in, in me deciding to become an actor and, and deciding, you know, like, well, who, who the heck am I? Well, like, what, what, what does this mean? What does life mean? And, and, right. and like the idea of heaven and hell and the soul and who we all are and what all this means is, is so fun to explore through the process of, of acting in any sort of artistic outlet. And yeah, diving into different characters and their point of views. And did you ask yourself that question when you took this role in um, Bardo Bardo Blues? Is Bardo that right? Blues, yeah. Uh, I mean, that was yeah, because yeah, you know that part was like a pretty. There were gnarly elements to that storyline. Yeah, gnarly elements to that character, for sure. Storyline too. Yeah, the character was a lot of fun in the sense of wow like I get to put myself through hell for like (laughs) you know a month and a half before and then three weeks when we're shooting in Thailand and like so what would I do that role again absolutely not because like (laughs) it was like it's not it's right draining a little you yeah what am I yeah it was it was no fun like I wasn't experiencing life so just to like a positive way to catch up on what we're actually talking about Stephen um, originally wanted to come on so we could talk about the movie he just did, Bardo Blues, and directed by Marsha Kempton. Marsha yeah. Kempton, and uh, he f- went to Thailand to film parts of it, and that's kind of what we we just stumbled on. She wrote some of it too, right? Yeah. And yeah. she is it based on a, her brother? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So her brother was a manic depressive, mm-hmm. um, paranoid schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. As well. And the story is about this young writer who is battling depression and battling addiction and has a traumatic event and travels to Thailand to look for his mom. And when he's in Thailand, he is basically confronting himself about the type of life that he wants to live. One one pursuing drugs and sex and uh, his own and and running from responsibility and the other side is 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 being responsible is taking accountability for his actions and and part of those actions are are in the movie and you, you right know. right right and it comes out in May so like for the next four months like. Don't even don't even think about I it. I was curious. The the <laughs> you finished this a while ago. Yeah, like three years. Jesus, what what's taking so long if it hasn't even come out yet? Well, it's come out. We've had like independent uh, independent We've, premieres in San Francisco. We went to festivals too. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, um, what festivals? Soho. Right? Soho, yeah, the Soho Film Festival in New York. We did and the then, uh, in L.A. Independent Festival yeah. here, and mm-hmm. you know some some other like random international ones, which like. I mean, a lot of independent films and filmmakers will, you know, they'll make a movie, they'll finish it. They won't, I mean, it won't get released for people until they take it to a lot of festivals. So it could be years after, especially with independent films, because what they want to do is they want to show at these festivals. If it's really great, they get awards, they gain traction. And then, you know, Netflix, Amazon, people come along and they're like, hey, we'll buy the movie and we'll put it on our site. So. Rather than like putting it up for free on online on the website and stuff, you know, you got you have to promote the movie and then hopefully it. Plus, I mean, especially with independence and and smaller budget films, it's it the post production is a it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah. It takes longer than the actual. Oh, for sure. I mean, pre, they don't have like they don't have these editors on salary working every single day on the film. I mean, a lot of it's guerrilla style, and they're I'm sure you had a lot, a lot of, of people on there though. There were a lot of people there working on it. Uh, like in the film, I saw one one behind the scenes thing, and there's tons of people working on that. Yeah, yeah. There was, I mean, the crew was twelve people. That's a lot of people. It's a good amount. Yeah, yeah it's a good amount. That's a small budget, but it's not 
three people. <laughs> yeah, so you know, no, the actor, the sound it, guy, and the it's fucking not three hundred grand. Yeah, three fifty. Yeah, a, a couple more. I think it was. Yeah. I mean, these I'm are not all, sure what it was. I think was it was a three fifty. That's that what that the was, internet yeah. told that's me. The, Who knows? Okay, if that's okay, awesome. How fucking real that is. IMDb Pro. Yeah, whatever. I never. I don't trust anything. Like you read it, like okay, well that's. Mine's the guy who's like, I gotta do something. I gotta call. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Why would you not want to know the truth? That's all I ask. Who says they know the truth? Um, One step closer, you know, a bit of more information. What's wrong with that? I mean, there's yeah, nothing wrong with it. That's was, the point. Nah. Nothing wrong with it. Waste it felt time. well funded at times, and then it felt. Uh, what? It felt. Under budget. <laughs> under budget. It felt under budget. It felt a little skimpy on one side. Yeah. And felt like, you know, it's not a huge budget. It's well, not guys, nothing. That's a, that's a chunk of change. You shot in Thailand, right? We shot in Thailand. Yes. Yes. There you go, baby. That's, well, then you, that's a good, hey, shoot, yeah, that's, that's a really good point. That's like, a big you chunk You always of that have to wonder on a small budget like that where the motivations come from from certain people. Like, it's interesting. The budget, I'm sure a lot of that budget went into shooting in Thailand. And where does that budget come from? Who, fun, who funds the movie? Who funded the movie? Well, Marsha Kimpton, she is, she she was able to use her own finances and her and her own money to fund the movie, and and she's what what well, does she do outside of the film production? I think she is the heir to, or she is the heir to the the Kimpton Hotels, the San Francisco oh. based uh, hotel oh. company. Oh, well, go. there you go. But besides the point, I love the fact that she uses use used her money and uses her money to create. Amazing original content, and she yeah. was uh, and, and she was in the movie. Oh yeah, she played she the um, the, yeah. she played the woman who owned the hotel. So okay, so okay, so she cast herself as the the person who in the real world like has hotel experience, as the <laughs> right as the yeah, owner of the hotel you know, in the movie. I, yeah, definitely, and, and I th- I think it too because that think, character was close. I don't to your think character. she I don't think she stemmed her role from that experience. Um, I, I mean, think maybe she can't hurt. I think it was because the character was was the closest in the movie t- to and talking to your character, which is based on her brother. So I feel felt like she had maybe a connection to yeah, because because the scenes with her, you know, she's giving you a lot of. She's trying to help you. She's yeah, trying to help definitely. you. Definitely, and yeah, and Marsha, you don't know that at first. No, I know, but she's not being an asshole to him. She's helping him throughout that's, the that's movie. Yeah, and she trusts the least. The first thing she does is <laughs> let him into the hotel. She's still, pull, I mean, she's still helping him. Yeah, and, and Marsha, as a person, is super welcoming, super open, and giving, and passionate about the work, passionate about her character. And I think, like, being responsible for the hotel, which what the hotel represents in the movie, uh, I think I think she felt connected to a character that wanted to create like an awesome safe space for someone who who was in a lot of, in a lot of trouble and in a lot of pain and you know maybe maybe she stemmed or maybe she uh, excuse me maybe she drew that from her hotel experience or or the influence that her father gave her from someone who started a hotel of like it's probably just coincidence. Well, I mean, I think it was like a serious question. Like, you know, if, if it was, it was a great question. So I, I, I wanted to give, like, I'm not sure why she cast herself as that role, other than identifying with someone who, who wanted to create a safe space. For I also don't want to like give that. up too many pieces of the, of the sh- of the movie. I don't want to like spoil it here for someone who hasn't seen it and say things about any of the characters um, that is too revealing before you watch it. Um, so I kind of keep my questions not too. Um, We'll, we'll bleep it out. Uh, Two telling. You got four months. <laughs> bleep it out. Yeah. yeah, I'll bleep it out. Um, They'll don't bleep it, it out. In, in um, why, um, why? Everybody. Beep. Why did? Why did the um, the uh, what's the guy? The concierge. Why did the concierge not speak English? What was the point of that? Was there a, a, a purpose for it? In the. Uh, so in the first, so you're referring to like his dialogue in in the first scene of the movie where he's like no speak English, right? I think. It wasn't about him not speaking English. It was about him not wanting to give Jack, my character, any time. It was about, not that he didn't speak English, but it was about him not caring about Jack. Because he immediately gets up and goes, gets Claire, Marsha Kimpton's character, and... uh, Yeah, I was just curious if there was a purpose for it, like... Um, sometimes you you know you bring in characters elements to you know progress the storyline or or to represent uh, metaphors of, of things that you know in the story whatever. I was curious if if you knew if there was a reason why 
um, uh, the director, uh, Marsha, chose to be like, you know, I don't want the concierge to speak English because I want this to Well, happen. I think he speaks some English. I think it's a good way just to introduce but, Claire's character, too, and bring her out. Yeah. Just, mm-hmm. Like, even, it could have been as simple as that. Okay. Like, Claire wouldn't, she's the owner of the hotel. Why would she be at the front? Right. And we want that interaction between them two and her to get, be, like, you know, helping him out. So maybe that was it. Or maybe it was just they wanted to show the arrogance of, of an American sometimes in another country. And when someone doesn't speak English, they suddenly get pissed off and defensive about it when it's really it's like you're not in fucking America. Yeah, like, he, yeah it is in Thailand. Yeah. So respect, you know, like maybe they don't speak any fucking English. It's so ridiculous. People were like, yeah. what? It, no English menus? So and I and I saw that. Uh, throughout the movie a little bit, them wanting to show that, I mean, your character, he means well, but he can also be an asshole a lot of times. Yeah, that <laughs> like, was part of know, his deal. I like, definitely believe that that like, time he was an asshole. He was a dick sometimes, <laughs> especially <laughs> like, uh, there's one line, this is a spoiler, but the one line is like, um, oh, like, where are you headed to tomorrow? It's like, what, do I need a fucking itinerary to have a beer? <laughs> I was like, I was like, what a dickhead. My favorite line was when Steven <laughs> you know said, fuck you, <laughs> fuck you, lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so, you know, I think, but I love that they kind of showed that, like the idea of sometimes when Amer- Americans can go abroad and they just think like, oh, of course there would be English everything and someone who speaks English here and this thing here because why not? But... As much as that is sometimes true with a lot of countries, you know, sometimes it's not. And I, I kind of like that aspect of it. It was, yeah, there was, yeah. It was a lot. It was, I mean, I shot a, a movie in, in, a, in another country. like Right, it gets the, hey, was, you made was, a movie. There it was gets, so yeah. much about it that was appealing, and, and a lot of it was, um, a lot of it was, man, like, do I want to be depressed? Like, do I want, you know, like. It's good for the character. Yeah, like, no. Sometimes, sometimes, it sometimes it's like sad to do sad movies because it's like. It's hard to, like, joke around on set, have fun and everything, and then, you know, the next day you're waking up and you're shooting something where you're, like, suicidal. Yeah, exactly. Some yeah. some to... talented performers know how to separate that stuff, and others can't can't do it. They yeah. can't have some... fun in between those scenes. They can't joke. They can't smile. Some it's... people do different methods, too, where they're like, I'm not Steven for the next three weeks. I'm this guy. Right. And, and, and that's like... Hey, man, that sometimes makes yeah. really good work. And then there's people who can just fake it, like... I don't think I I don't think I know uh, like what what way works best for me yet. No, no. You know, and, and this is pretty early in your career. Yeah, it's my first movie. That's oh, your first movie. There you go. Boom. Damn. Now, how? What are your in your head? Without being too specific about your private, you know, dreams, but what are your goals? You're 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 now an actor. You got a movie on your belt. What what's the plan? I mean, probably just to continue to act where I can and. And, you know, I do some stand-up comedy, and it would it'd probably be to just continue to get out there and act and work on projects. And, you know, the community that I feel like I live in is so awesome. Mm-hmm. And, Coop, I was listening to your music on the way over, and I just feel like everyone we know is creating something. And that and that's what I... And or or that's so rad. That's so fun to be around. It's I'm, true. Like, it's it's true. I wouldn't be here without. Pretty Coop. great. Yeah, it's, it's pretty great to. Yeah, like friends creating art. And, it's awesome. Yeah, it's really dope. It's fucking awesome. That's why it was fun. Like, because watching your movie there now, I was like, this is dope. Like, I'm watching my buddy. Yep. Star in this movie, that we're gonna talk about soon on the podcast. It was an intimate level. I wasn't prepared for it. To be terribly honest. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pre- How did you feel about? What do you mean you weren't prepared for it? Uh, to get to that intimate knowledge of of my friend Stephen, like Stephen and I weren't always friends. We became friends over over time, and our friendship still has like parameters. Like we're not so close that we hang out all the time, but we're we're friends. Mm-hmm. So this was a level of intimacy of knowledge about him that I really didn't realize I was going to have when I watched the movie. Watching someone You know act. it wasn't Steven, though, right? What? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Mayan. That guy was so I good. I swear, I swear I'm not Jack. There's a dude <laughs> that does you so well. <laughs> um, and let me just say, side point, because all these things are important. Steven, very handsome. Very handsome on camera, man. That's no small thing. And in real life. Your hair looks great. You look really good. Like, it looks great, man. Thank uh, you. Yeah, yeah, you're very you lucky. You know, that's all, like... 
that's all makeup and that's all <laughs> no it really is layers it, re- of it really is it's it's, it's really not <laughs> well you know i was i couldn't be more uh what no i i don't know flattered yeah like uh, i'm super yeah oh I'm, dude I'm get, super flattered yeah flattered, but like, definitely take that as a compliment and be like yeah totally definitely thanks. no and no, i appreciate i appreciate you saying that? Thank you so much. No. As someone who, at certain angles with certain good lighting, can often pull off handsome, being handsome just across the board is a feat, which I am in awe of. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. You're watching a TV. You're watching a movie. Yeah, you characters look a certain way. Not everyone has to be handsome, but we are affected by beauty in different ways. Like I said, when I was a little kid, I knew I liked girls from the time I was like four, and that never stopped. Like their hair, their little cute faces, like. It was that was never that was never not a thing that in, that just did something for me. Now to this day, I think being driven by physical physical beauty hinders me more than it helps me as I get older and I learn you know things that are important. And I, obviously, I don't think it's the only thing, but it still does drive me visual things in in all categories. Um, and I I don't know I I definitely want to change that. I want to I want to have it not be so important because there are times where you love something for what it is and not what it looks like and it grows on you and that thing becomes beautiful mm. that's that's a kind of beauty joy that it like transcends just like oh that person is attractive yeah. right i mean if you you know if you think a girl's hot you're you think she's hot like and you're attracted to her the same ways that i some girls i don't think are hot other guys are like yo she's super hot so <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know you'll you'll be You'll find who you're attracted to physically as well as, uh, what else, emotionally. and uh, Mentally. Mentally and all that stuff. And, and, and then, like, the fact that you find her attractive isn't, isn't like a bad, it's not like something to be like, oh, you know what, I'm driven by her physical attributes. Like, yo, you think those physical attributes are awesome. Like, give yourself. I think I indulge in that too much is my point. Oh. Yeah, I, but I appreciate that. Um, I think there's a, a certain level where, um, yeah, you know, in, in insecurities and physical appearance, like those things, I think at this point in my life um, are waning and I'm happy about it. Hmm. Yeah. Right? I think so. I think it's good that you know that you want to. And I'm not like the guy that loves traditionally um, traditional beauty. Like I have, you know, there's a funky side or awkward side. Like if you in this town. People love the tall, leggy it's blondes. It's all a spectrum. Right? It's all a spectrum. Tall, leggy blondes? No. No thanks. No. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I never, like, I don't know. I found, I find beauty in different, I never had, like, a thing. And I was never like, ah, uh, no, I'm a blondes guy. It was all. You don't have any a- attributes that you, that you dig on uh, a regular basis. Sense of humor. That's probably my biggest thing. There Seriously, you go. if a girl, yeah. and I don't care if anybody, if it's, so people are like, yeah, but she's a ten. If she doesn't have a sense of humor, fuck off. Now I will Sorry. say this. Yeah. I will say this as a as a um, a deal breaker. I didn't say what your deal breaker is. Of course, if someone's not funny, then you can't spend a, a time with them. I'm saying you don't have certain things physically that you gravitate toward. Like you look back at your history, like oh, I, I actually like asses a lot. Like you don't have something like that. No, not really. All right, well, not I think really you're did. in the minority. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 I'll take that. I'll yeah. be in that minority. I don't know. I just never really. No, I don't know. I mean, there's something about a good ass, right? Sure. Thank you. I'm not saying I don't like them. I didn't think you said that, but, but I thank you for that great ass comment. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I never, I never had like a specific thing. I was like, I need to find that. No, like, I'm not like saying to that extreme. Be like, damn, yeah. like your face yeah. is amazing, but you don't have that ass that I really want. So. Oh my god, remember last week? <laughs> remember last week when that guy came through and we heard him talking to his buddy? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah. my god, I was like, wow. So, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm a dude. I'm I'm misogynist to some degree in humor or what whatever. You, I'm not going to pretend like I don't make jokes that some people might be a friend of. I of course I do. But I really felt like I don't think I ever would have fucking said that. It didn't even like even in private. Do you remember what he said? It was something about, was it Asian? What did he say? He was talking to his buddy. He was like, yeah, I call Asian bitches flatbacks because they don't have any asses. And I was like, Jesus Christ. It's a little little broad. It's just unnecessarily (laughs) rude. Super aggressive comment. (laughs) All right. I couldn't believe it. I I guess I was most surprised that he was saying it somewhat in public. I just think, oh, okay, the comment isn't, is 
the comment itself I think is rude. It's also not accurate. Like I know. Yeah, the whole thing was like far too general and judgmental. That's what made it unappealing. It was like. It was a little. It's, it's just so little... derogatory for something that's like, it, yeah, not necessarily true. I don't know. Uh, I mean, not, I not that we're. Response. Do they though? <laughs> What's that? I said, do they though? Well, that's the thing. It, it, there's so many different people. Like you can't generalize. Depends that. on yeah, the camera no. angle. It's yeah, true. yeah, yeah. Oh my god! Don't. Well, yeah. the camera adds 15 pounds. So, um, is that true? Yeah, maybe a little bit. I don't know. I thought Steven my, was my obese in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, By the end of the film, yeah, I think I've gained. I gained like ten pounds. Nice. Really? All I ate was pad thai, chicken rice, and curry for breakfast nice That's amazing it was and that sounds so amazing and if you watch the film by the end of it you're fat <laughs> like did you shoot it all heavier. linear too uh we didn't shoot it in no we didn't shoot it in no but like but because that can be difficult well yeah but, but like like, like shooting the one the, sh- the scenes we shot like in the beginning of the thailand experience as well as before we went to thailand were going to be different or i was heavier than like some of the later ones, like right, right, right. In the scene when I'm in the temple and I'm like running around and and by that point, like I was deep in it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah. I'm assuming the car scenes were done in the U.S. Yeah, and that yeah, yeah things definitely. that would be difficult mm-hmm. to. Um, it. I'll be honest. It. I really did like the cinematography. Um, uh, I don't see. Oh, it. they did. Oh yeah, those they did guys a great job, did right? An incredible. Yeah, an incredible. Justin um, and Ian McAleese. By the way, they're Blair Media. They're based out of Fresno. They're, yeah, they're, the yeah. color. I really enjoyed I that. Liked, they chose everything they chose. I liked rather, but yeah, the shooting was amazing. So what kind of camera were they using? Do you know? It was a red camera. It was red. Do you know which one? No. Okay. No, I don't know. They all um, the red from like. Eight but there's years a few ago different. Yeah. Works as well as the red from today. Just it, depends on the lenses. Lenses right. are huge, but the body itself is. I mean, you can still shoot a lot of that was 4K and everything. Mi- Mijo, Mijo did a. Has a red, yeah, yeah. He has a red body. Mm-hmm. You were saying, Stephen? I was gonna say that was my first sex scene. What? Oh yeah. Well, first movie that better been right, unless you did a play with a heavy sex scene. Mm. <laughs> Are there any plays top of your head that have huge sex scenes? Uh, motherfucker with a hat. Oh right. I don't know why I didn't think of that first. <laughs> Is this something you did? I did a scene from it, but I knew it. He was plugging his own. Resume. Did you write I it? Love it? No, it was just a, no. It was literally in a scene class. And it was, but it was for my last year at school. But uh, no, I didn't write it. It was like a small playwright. I don't even know. I did the one scene from it. I didn't. I didn't really like it. No, No. you you but you chose the a sex scene. No, my no, it wasn't a sex scene. But there's a sex scene in that play. Oh, okay, okay. for sure. My scene was like a fight scene between this guy and this girl. Oh, okay. She sees she spot she she catches a someone else or no I find someone else's hat at our apartment. It's not my hat. <laughs> it's like the so yeah, who's the, the motherfucker yeah, with that's the hat? The boy like, version of uh, it's like, she's who's, cheating on me. Whose earrings are these? Whose panties are these? Yeah, that's great. That's funny. I've heard yeah. this. I like yes. that. Swapping it out. Mm-hmm. And did you pick that scene? Mm-mm. No, my she, partner did. She picked it. She picked it. It was it was Kate. It was good for her. The scene. She yeah. she was strong in it. Yeah. Yeah, but it was. So what happened? Were was she? Was she? Was it? Was she cheating on? Yes. She was. Yes. God damn, she got caught because of a hat. Yeah, pretty sure. And what was pretty what, sure. what was that? What was the scene like? Was she was just heavy, yeah. fighting, yelling back and forth. Yeah. So there's a lot of emotion in the scene. Starts off like no, back from work, make you know, getting close, about to get sexy, you know, have sexy time, and then it stops because he spies on and he sees the hat. Yeah. He's like, "What the fuck is this?" So. I'm going to change super gears here. Change um, them up. Yeah, because the sex scene thing reminded me of the sex scene you were talking about in the movie. And there's a part of this movie, um, uh, part of the story involves uh, prostitutes, Thai, Thai prostitutes, underage Thai prostitutes. Yeah. Um, the, show, the movie wasn't about them. It was about something else. But you can't help but think of that world and how you were in Thailand for how long? Three weeks. Get to the okay. question. Yeah. How? What kind of like social position did you, were you guys talking about? How did you feel about being around that? How did you feel about doing that in the movie? Like, what we like? What happened? There's got to be some kind of story. About about what? About 
you're in a country and you, where, like, obviously there's prostitutes in every country, um, but you're doing a movie where there's a whole yeah. um, well, aspect of the storyline that revolves around this world. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's faux pas to do for Thai actresses to play prostitutes in movies. I don't, I don't think the Thai film uh, board supports that. And so the actresses that we, the most of them that we found knew that it wasn't like, you know, this, that it, that it was a little, a little faux pas. Like, you're, you know, like, I think that stigma of Thai prostitutes is such a strong stigma that, like, when Thai actresses play those, that I don't think Thailand government really likes that. Because, I mean, it's a moment, bad depiction of their There's country. a moment, it's not going to give anything away, but there's a moment where you shoo off a... Uh, 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 a prostitute that is like propositioning you at a bar. And it's one of my favorite moments in the whole thing because you, I really felt like you were disgusted by the moment and I could see from her performance that she didn't want to be offering herself to begin with. And even the rejection of something she didn't want was fucking devastating um, to, to, to someone in that, like she was acting, she did a good job, but there's someone in that position who isn't in that world by choice. Yeah. And who knows that she has to bring money and she has to, but she even gets someone who's like, you disgust me right now. I'm disgusting. Get away from me. And that moment isn't lost on this poor, real young woman out there who's in that position. It was, a, it, I was like I said, one of my favorite moments of the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That was, uh, I, it was, I know what scene you're talking about. It's, it's, it's a rough sad. moment, man. Yeah. That's, yeah. The, like you know, we 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 didn't start this podcast to talk about heavy things. We we knew we would, um, but you know, it's strange because we live these lives where we don't really have to worry about this stuff very much. You know, we have nice jobs. We you know we have nice places to live. We have a fun podcast. We have good friends. We have art, and like there's this these worlds out there that these their people are slaves and 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 treated like garbage. And they're I mean, it's there's no worse way to be, and they're right there. And that's why I was curious because you're doing this movie where it's right there. You're using it in the thing. Yeah. So you gotta have a like, goddamn opinion about yeah. it. Yeah. Well, a lot of those a lot of those prostitutes were boys. What? Were guys? Really? Yeah, they're they're lady boys. I did not notice that. <laughs> That's mean, interesting. Yeah. Not a lot of people notice it. They're too in person. I yeah, guess that, they're yeah. they're they're beautiful. They're beautiful. Right. They're, That's insane. They're guys that have gone through the operation which i think is pretty common in thailand apparently yeah. it's it's becoming a lady boy is like i don't know i worked with someone once and they were transitioning from male to female but they hadn't done any of the hormone stuff yet they were just living as a woman um you know acting as a woman just this whole i never once thought of that guy as a guy that's how he was not faking being a woman even though he wasn't yet, I remember always treating her <laughs> like a fucking girl. Like, you look so pretty today. You're so sweet. Oh, thank you so much. How's it going? Like, super sweet guy. But he was a girl. It was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. He, he wasn't faking it. That's who he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always enjoyed that. I'm like, he's so fucking that thing that's hard to wrap your head around sometimes. But he's so doing it. It's really interesting. Yeah, it's a... I bet she and, and beautiful. That was like what made me think of it. Like and beautiful. At this point, years later, maybe a decade later, I'm sure she's fucking gorgeous with the full transformation. You probably would never know. That's insane. She hit her up. <laughs> Great idea. I have been single a while. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the, the, that's the, just an idea to, or that just gives you the idea that I mean, the movie's heavy. It's a heavy movie. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in there that's heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't I mean, think. I'm picking up a, a a script like that kind of role anytime soon. Like I think I think after that movie, I was like, "Wow, I need to jump into stand-up comedy." And, and that's why. And oh, yeah. genius! It's just like that's genius. Yeah, it was just. And are you doing that regularly right now? Uh, I mean, not regularly, like once a week, but you know, it's it actually it's been a couple months since I've done it, but I always feel like. I'm I'm on my phone like writing. Mm-hmm. When I get back into stand, when I'm on stage next, I'll I'll write this note. And nice. It'll be a joke. Now, are you still looking at stand up as this release or or um, contrast to this movie you experienced, or is at this point you're like, no, I'm a fucking comedian. Kind of in the middle of both. Yeah. Like, 
you know, being on stage as a stand-up, you did stand-up, right? You, like, mm-hmm. you, it's it's such a like like you're up there with a mic on your by yourself, and it's your own world that you can create in front of a live audience, and that's it's scary as fuck. Yeah, but it's fun. It's a lot of fun, but like, it's great for release and stuff. To pursue it is like crazy because there's people are just doing open mics. Seven days a week, three that's, times a that's day. That's hardcore. And that's what a lot of the people are doing. That's how they get and that, somewhere. And people will do that for 10 years yeah. and not get anywhere. Oof, that's the truth. And then, like, maybe get somewhere. It's just such a hard world, too. And it's, I mean, the stigma, or people will say that, like, all comics are depressed. It's a depressing. Mm-hmm. Like, they're all, you know, dead inside. Or, like, they're... Or like you, they're dark, and like that's why they go into stand up. But like, some Somet- of my sometimes a lot of my yeah yeah sometimes not all times. Like a lot of my favorite comedians are like, no, I have a happy life. Seinfeld <laughs> yeah. was never. I had a, a happy man. life. Yeah, yeah. So Who are you thinking of specifically? Dark ones. No, the guy that's like, no, no, I'm a happy guy. That's not right. Who? What? What comedian pops into your head when you think of that? Uh, Dalia is one of them right now. Yeah, Dalia is killing it. Dalia is like, I've had a fucking great life yeah. and I love how I grew up and everything. So no, it's bullshit. That kid's <laughs> got the Kavorka. Like he just has a special quality. I remember I've only seen one taping of a sitcom. My buddy was like, Hey, I got a ticket. You want to go? And I'm like, yeah, fine, whatever. We went, it was Whitney. Is that real? Is that a thing? Yeah. Whitney. Mm-hmm. This is years ago. Whitney coming. And I didn't know who Chris D'Elia was until I sat in this audience and watched this taping for fucking a million hours. They don't let you leave. It's really weird. Um, And I was like, the only thing I remember from that was that, um, well, I learned a lot of things. The one thing that was the most important was that Chris D'Elia was awesome. Whoever that guy was, he was my favorite part of that experience. Fast forward five years, and yeah, he's he's great. Such a great style. Honest, down to earth, kind of a dick, which is, you need that for comedy. Like, you kind of have a half a dick side. Yeah, for sure. There's no punchline. We talked about this. (laughs) Yeah, I do love D'Elia. You do it. Don't you do a D'Elia impression? I can I do Delia doing impressions of other people. Oh, when he did Eminem, he does so many funny impressions. He does a good Michael Caine. <laughs> does he? Yeah, I where it's Michael about Caine. like Michael Caine getting a script. Whenever he gets a script sent to him, he he just does it. He's like, I'll do it. I read I'll that it. he says, "Where is it? I'll when is it? it? And how much does it pay?" And he bases his choices on those three things. Is it somewhere Caine, he wants Michael Caine? Yeah, that's what I read. I don't know if it's true, but apparently he I'll was. Do a, it. He's been a professional for. When is it? Nothing but. It. <laughs> that's so funny. That's better as a joke. That can't be real. That's 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 him doing. He can't that's, say yes to everything. He gets twenty five offers a day. I know, but it's, that's a joke. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's a yeah, joke. It's a good joke. Not, it's not like oh, how much? But is that's it? the punchline. About it, and maybe <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> that's the real one. I love that. But um, yeah, I mean, stand up's fun, man. It's you don't feel more alive, or. I don't think you've. I don't think anybody could feel more human than when you're bombing on a stage <laughs> doing stand up. Uh, it's like it's the worst. Put it's on. just Is so it many emotions in Is one it the night. Worst, you're though? excited. You're nervous. You're eager. You get on stage. But isn't that bombing, the trick? And you're depressed and you're sad. If you can and bomb like, and not be sad about it, wouldn't that be the determinant? Well, to yeah, of course. I, I bomb all the time and not be sad about it. And okay. then I would do the same material at a different place, and they would fucking love right, it. You can't and take that's it so the, personally. The key is to know your audience and and have sets based on like. I mean, if yeah. you. If you go out and all your jokes are for a 22-year-old college kid... Why can't your joke be universal? Then all of the... Yeah, but you got to cater to an audience. You can't not necessarily. I'm just saying that you're not saying you're wrong. You're probably right. But there's got to be someone like a Seinfeld who can do his material in front of anybody, any group, and everybody gets sure, it. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I always he told have stories like, about what I, was, what I was doing in my life, which... I was in college and I was 22 at the time. Seinfeld does like, you know, where does your sock go in the dryer? I lost it. Like that stuff. Still comedy. And he's the one of the best of all time. I know. I know. There's different kinds of comedy. There's different styles. Seinfeld and Louis C.K., two different styles. Yeah. I mean, I think. Seinfeld won't swear in any of his acts. Never has, never will. I heard him say fuck once. Yeah, but he won't say it in an act. No, I know. But that's that's the joke is that he literally said it one time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a big question. Like the material, you know, and, and. Yeah. You could be a storyteller. You could be character. You could be... Yeah. I mean, Stephen Wright was a character. Uh, fuck. I mean, yeah, there's just so many different types of styles. It's interesting. Yeah, Stephen Wright Tom had Segura, a- he's a he's a storyteller. That's all he does. Yeah, see, I, I, I love... I, lo- I, I would say I love that group we love, the D'Elia and, and Segura and, yeah. and um, 
Rogan and, and I but, do, I like Rogan's podcast. I don't really like it. Well, that's what I was gonna say it's about like Segura. Comedy. Like I, Segura's uh, good, but I, I don't. I'm probably, it, yeah, it's, 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 so a lot of people probably disagree with me. Well, but no. I just, if you haven't seen his latest one, you might not be that firm in that position. I, I know what you're saying. He's not like I like saw his, his latest one. Oh, you did? Yeah. And it was too I much didn't of like that. It. Oh, okay. I didn't like it. That's fair. Yeah. No one. No one's uh, like the whole Trump stuff. I was like, yeah, I've heard it. Seen it I, I never a million times. I never shy away from a chance to hear jokes about Trump. I know, but I'm just like, give me something new. Like, give me something more clever. Like, oh, were Trump they not, is were such they not clever an, enough. He's Trump is just such on. an easy target. Like, yeah, he's but the so joke might be innovative. Simple. I have to hear the joke before I judge. But yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I just I don't know. I understand. I, yeah, it's, a, t- it's, it's a tiresome category. Yeah, accurate though. Like you know, but he's still uh, yeah, of he's still the fucking president. Like you can't just like oh, I'm 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 done making fun of this guy. Like he every day gives you more reasons. No, I know. I'm done talking about him. Yeah. That's my thing. I feel like talking about him is is only benefiting him because it's just like any press is good sure. press. Totally, totally. I like don't like there's I, I watch a lot of funny comedian. There's this funny comedian does a show and he doesn't say Trump's name and he won't talk about him. And if he ever has to bring it up or bring up the president, he says like I forget what he says, but uh, he doesn't say his name at all. He's just like, I, I completely support that. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you 100%, but there's also that line, and I live on that line, where I also want to make this fucking comment, too. Of course. So yeah. you make that choice on a, on a moment-by-moment basis, but I definitely understand yeah, not yeah. wanting to speaketh thy name. Yeah. Fuck that dude. The one we do not speak of. <laughs> yeah. He who must not be named. Yeah. Steven, so what's next? Oh, man, I think uh, just continue. You just try to write and, and produce my own work and probably get back on on stage soon and you know just continue I, I think being in the town is half the battle and being able to to show up to meetings and to show up to uh, open mics and to mm-hmm. you know continue to work within within your community and people you know to, to write and shoot your own work is is kind of what it's about like and then all of a sudden something will happen and then you'll be like wow I I am going to continue doing what I've been doing regardless of, you know, your posters on the wall or not. So you're going to get back up on that open mic. I think so. I think so. Like, I think I took enough time off of, off of standup to, to like have show up with a little bit more complete work. Like sometimes you're up there and you're not, not that you don't, not that you don't like your material, but you're just, Winging it is tough when it comes to fucking comedy. Yeah, and and (laughs) and taking a break from... Never wing stand-up. You can't... Yeah, you have to be real seasoned to do that shit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, definitely. There's no doubt to, like, go up there and improv is is almost impossible because you... Unless you have material prepared... Or you're you know. choosing to have that journey that night. You're like, fuck it, I'm going on, and I just want to see what it feels like. All right, fine, make that choice. Mm-hmm. But one of my pet peeves, and again, it's none of my business. People develop their stuff, how they develop it. But I like to go to open mics, like the three-minute, five-minute ones. And when people go up there with, like, three notes, and they go, oh, okay, what's I going to talk about? Yeah, oh, oh, buses. They're annoying, huh, guys? What was I thinking? What was I talking about? They pull up their phone. Like, I don't like that. Like, at least get the idea down and go up there and play with the ideas. Don't have it like, oh, I thought of this 15 seconds ago. No, no, we don't. You have three minutes. Don't. Mm. What are you, you're wasting everybody's time. Unless that's your thing, fine, all right. But that's kind of how I feel about it. You should yell that as like a heckler. No, be, you can be more that. prepared. Yeah, that's mean. <laughs> everyone, you know, everyone Memorize deserves to go up there and not be heckled. Ass. No, heckling's yeah, the worst yeah, thing I mean, you can that's do. Him that's bombing, somebody's art. And I'm but, sure he's yeah. up there being like, oh my God, this sucks. This sucks. And then like he'll walk away and never not be prepared again. Who does that? And just and someone who's up there, just, like, just like who bombs, like pulling out their phone and like. I've been up there like going over my notes and. You know, if it's an open mic where I feel like I'm practicing things versus an open mic that all of a sudden turns into a show, it's like a different experience. Like, oh shit! Like I didn't really. Not that you didn't show up to be prepared, but you showed up there to work on on certain jokes. Yeah, like a lot of. Big comics will go to just small, tiny open mics with like a hood on and try new and material, and or they'll really hire someone to try their material at an open mic. Um, I really, sure, why not? I mean, if like, think about back in the day, if Robin Williams was like, oh, I don't know about this joke, I don't want to try this at this place, but yeah. I'll just have my buddy try. One of my favorite, <laughs> maybe one of my favorite um, audience perspective stories about comedy is. When I went, my buddy works at a comedy club, and the once a while he'd be like, hey, so-and-so's on tonight, you want to come? And I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. And there was a time over about a year 
where I went to this place in a room of 10 people, nice space, and Bill Burr was working out on the fu- like working stuff out. Oh, that's sick. Yeah, and he works out this joke, and I remember thinking to myself, eh, that wasn't really that great. But I know he's working on it, but I remember thinking like that wasn't that good. Um, six months down the line, again, my te- the text comes in, hey, Bill Burr's on tonight, you want to come? I'm like, yeah, 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 totally, get down there. Now he's got this joke, and it's it's getting there. Like, it's the same fucking joke, and now I get it. It makes sense the way he's talking about it, and it's totally working. Fast forward another six months, it's one of his jokes on his recent special, and he fucking nailed it. Yeah, that's how they do it. They practice. But how to they... see those, to be at those moments, yeah, it's that's only sweet. happened once that's to me, sweet. and it happens to be Bill Burr, which I cherish that little experience. That's sick. He's yeah. hilarious. He's the best. He's the best. Um, so... So you're going to keep doing comedy. Do you have any auditions lined up? Do you have you want to do another movie but you want to do something not so so depressing? Yes. I mean in in no, I don't have any, you know, movies lined up or I don't have any uh any I mean I'm working on on like writing small projects and shooting it myself with some of the people that we work with for with Peter and with Lydia and and I look forward to that cuz like that's where you I mean that's where you, that's where the work comes from from the people that you know and and that but in terms of like and then stand-up comedy. But am I, do I still feel like I'm like going back to the grind of like trying to shoot and, and find work? Absolutely. And, and Getting out there. And you love it. Yeah. You love being an actor. That's why you're doing it. Couldn't be more true. Could awesome. not be more true. That's the, that's the benchmark. <laughs> then you shall be successful if you just don't stop. I'll stop till you get in. That, <laughs> right? I think, that's, I think that's pretty great. That's a nice poignant finale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Stephen. That was awesome. I appreciate it, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. High five. It was awesome.